Hosea chapter 6. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers can grab one for you. But we're going to be in Hosea chapter 6. Now, um, Hosea is in the Old Testament, a little past halfway. You're going to get to books like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Once you start seeing those, start keep moving toward the New Testament. And Hosea is actually the first book after Daniel. And so we're in Hosea chapter 6. And as I said last week, we're jumping out of our study of the book of John for about eight weeks. And we are in this um, series entitled, Let Us Be in 23. And the idea of this series is that as a Christian, if I'm a believer in Christ, that I, I should be something. And, and that we're just not blobs sitting in a seat showing up on a Sunday, all right? That if you're a believer in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, a Christian, let us be. All right, and we're going to be looking at a few different things, and today we are looking at let us be turning. You know, anything that needs water needs to be watered. Would you all agree with that? That's not, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. If it needs water, it needs to be watered, and if you take anything that needs to be watered and you remove it from the water source, some problems are going to ensue, aren't they? Okay, take a, you know, just take yourself, take a body, all right? Think of yourself out there on a hot summer day and you haven't had anything to drink in a while, all right? You, you take a body and you remove a person from a water source, eventually that body is going to become dehydrated. It, it's going to become weak, it's going to become depleted, and thirst is going to be a major issue, all right? You know, how many of you are, are green thumbers, man? You just love, love planting, all right? If you take a plant and you remove it from the water source, it won't take long before that plant starts to wither, all right? You know, in the summertime, if you go out to your yard about late July, early August, and we haven't had any sufficient rain in about a month, your grass is no longer green, but it has turned brown. And even the, the ground has become rock hard. And, and if you look at it, it sometimes even starts to crack. Why? Because the water source has been removed. And so the, the, anything that needs water needs a water source. Can I tell you it's no different spiritually? All right? Your spirit needs to be saturated. Okay? Your spirit needs to be connected to a source that can keep you saturated spiritually saturated, spiritually vibrant, spiritually alive, all right? And in order for you to be spiritually saturated, you have to stay connected to a source. Because if you remove yourself from a source that can keep you spiritually saturated, it won't be long until you are feeling spiritually weak, spiritually depleted spiritually withered, spiritually dry, spiritually thirsty, spiritually disconnected. You will just feel it, okay? And you'll be in this funk spiritually. And part of you, and you'll be like, have anybody ever feel like you're in a funk spiritually, okay? You, you, again, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to sit there and go, man, I, I just don't feel like it for some reason. Something's just... You can just tell you're spiritually disconnected and spiritually dry. 
And maybe some of you are there today. You just know it. You are just spiritually disconnected. You are spiritually dry. You are just feeling like spiritual lethargicness has set in. Spiritual weakness, spiritual blahs. So the question is, is if you're feeling that, if you feel like, yeah, I'm just not there spiritually right now, what do you do? Do you just continue to go through the motions or do we do something about it? Well, that's today's message. As we continue the series, let us be in 23. Today is let us be turning. The idea of this message is if you are feeling spiritually dry, spiritually disconnected, you need to turn back to the source. And so that's what we are looking at from the book of Hosea today. So let me read Hosea chapter 6, the first three verses, and give us an idea of what we're looking at today. So Hosea chapter 6, starting with verse 1, it says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. We sang the song, Downpour. And maybe today you need that downpour. And that's what we're going to look at today about turning to the Lord. But before I jump into this text and getting our points, let's get some background on this of who is this guy, Hosea? Who is, what is this book about, all right? What is he talking about here? So let's get some background on Hosea. Hosea was a prophet of God sent by God to speak to the nation of Israel. Israel had a problem. Israel had a problem like so many of us still have a problem, and it's this. They were prone to wander. They were prone to go, hey, we don't want to do it God's way. We want to do it whose way? Our way, all right? They, they were prone to, um, to leave the, the one who loved them. They were prone to turn away from the Lord. And, and what happened was is they, be, they became a people who were wayward, idolatrous, and self-indulgent. Kind of sounds like us today, doesn't it? That's the way Israel was. And so Hosea is going to the nation of Israel to um, bring them back to where they need to be. Now, here's the big picture of, of Hosea now. The big picture of Hosea is really about showing a picture of who God is. And, and it's, the question needs to be asked is, does God still love his people even when they go wayward? When their hearts turn from him, when they choose to go their own way, does his love still shower on them? And the answer to that is, yes, it is. Yes, he does. Because this is what Hosea is all about. The first three chapters is about Hosea marrying this woman by the name of Gomer. That was his first fault right there. <laughs> Gomer better have been really good looking because... Mom and dad, I'd like to introduce you to my girlfriend. This is Gomer. So he marries this woman, Gomer. And after a while, Gomer begins to prostitute herself. And she becomes an adulteress. He, she leaves Hosea 
and she's now with other men. But God tells Hosea, he's like, Hosea, I want you to go after your wife. Go love her again. I want you to be faithful to her and bring her back. You see, and, and, and that's what Hosea does. He goes to Gomer, despite the fact that she has adulterated herself and prostituted herself, left him, and he brings her back. It depicts the picture, a spiritual picture of how God is with his people. Because we are exactly like Gomer. We prostitute ourselves spiritually. We are the spiritual adulterers because God loves us, but yet what do we do? We keep leaving him for worldly stuff. We keep leaving God thinking this is much better than God, but God loves us people so much that he doesn't quit on us. He keeps loving us. The faithfulness of, of Hosea to Gomer shows the picture of God's faithfulness to his people. And so today, let's take a look at what Hosea is saying here in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, and how we can apply it to us today. And so here's the first thing. If you're feeling dry, spiritually dry, feeling spiritually disconnected, spiritually weak, whatever it may be, here's what the first thing you need to do. If I'm feeling dry and disconnected, I need to accept the invitation to turn to the Lord. I need to accept the invitation to turn to the Lord. So look at verse 1, the first line. Come, let us return to the Lord. If you ever receive an invitation in the mail, whether it's an invitation to a wedding, a retirement party, a birthday party, graduation, whatever it may be, when you receive that invitation and you read through it and say, hey, Joe and Joanna are inviting you to their son's graduation party on May 28th at 7 p.m., we'd love you to come. Is that a demand or is it an ask? It's an ask, all right? When you receive any kind of invitation, it is not a demand at all. They're not demanding you to come, but they are at, they're asking you. They're inviting you. So the decision lies on who? You. You have to make the decision, do I go or do I not? It's on you. And so what you do with the invitation is on your plate. Well, guess what? God is speaking through Hosea to the nation of Israel. He's written down the invitation and he sent it out. And the invitation is simple. Come, let us return to the Lord. And the invitation is no different for you and me. God is still saying to you and me, come, let us return to the Lord. It's not a command. It's not a demand. It is an invitation. Just as it was an invitation for Israel to come, they had a choice. Do we or do we not come and return to the Lord? It's no different for you and me today. Come, let us return to the Lord. But notice what it says. It says, come, let us. I like that because Hosea isn't pointing the fingers He's not saying, you people return to the Lord. I'm okay. He says, nope, I'll get in the boat with you and let us. He's basically saying that line there, let us, is saying you're not alone. You're not the only one who is in a spiritual mess. You're not the only one who is experiencing spiritual dryness. You're not the only one who is experiencing a spiritual disconnect. We all have those at times. But sometimes we feel like, I'm alone. I'm the only one. Can I tell you, Hosea is trying to tell you, you're not alone. 
Come, let us. I'm standing up here today saying, let us return to the Lord. Because can I tell you, um, over the past couple years with COVID and what we've experienced with the church, the number of people who have left and over the past few months and everything, can I just be honest with you for a second here and say, you know what? I have been spiritually tired. I have been spiritually, God, is it worth it anymore? God, I'd really love to just, you know what? Let me just pass this baton to somebody else. I'm just tired. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're, if you're experiencing spiritual disconnect, you're not alone. If you're experiencing the spiritual dryness, the spiritual weakness, the spiritual blods, you're not alone. Because I can tell you, if you look to the left, to the right, in front, or behind, there's someone else experiencing it too. You see, the reason why you feel alone is because the enemy is going to convince you you're the only one. You see, what he wants to tell you is that, he, hey, he's, he, here's the lie that he wants to tell us. You know, when you go to that church on Sunday morning, you're the only one who's had the issue this week. You know you're the only one who's experiencing this, this disconnect from God. You know you're the only one who's experiencing this spiritual dryness. You know you're the only one. And so what we do is we believe that lie, and we do one of two things. One, we just don't show up. Or two, we do show up and we put on our happy face and we put on the pretend of like, I'm okay. But yet in my mind, we're thinking, I'm the only one. Um, you know, Roger and Marlene, well, they're, they're serving. I know they, they, they've got it going on. I look at Devon, he teaches a class. I know he's got it going on. And everybody else, I know they've got it going on, but not me. Listen, you're not alone. You're in, we're all in the boat. We all experience spiritual dryness. We all experience times where we go through this. The reality is we go through these spiritual moments and, and it could be, it draws us away. Because you notice it says, let us return. Return means I was at a place, but I turned away. And now I've moved away. So if I need to get back to the place, guess what I got to do? I got to return. And, and so you've got to understand that if you're experiencing that spiritual disconnect, that spiritual dryness, one, you're not alone, but two... If you're there, you're in that spiritual desert, you're in that spiritual wilderness, you're in that spiritual blah, guess what you got to do? you got to return. If you've got yourself, and here's what we need to understand, the water source does not move, okay? You know, it, think of a well, a well that's, you know, 2,000 feet deep or whatever, and, and, and you're really thirsty. Has the well moved or has you moved? You've moved because you're not going to the well to drink from it. That well cannot move and it does not move and that water is still there. So if you are feeling spiritually dry, spiritually thirsty, spiritually disconnected, then you've got to ask yourself, has something caused me to move? 
Because the reality is there's a lot of things that can cause us to move, whether it's intentional or unintentional. How many of you know sometimes we can just do things that cause us to move, to drift? Anybody other than me, you just get too many irons in the fire? And the thing is, once we keep putting irons in the fire, guess what we keep doing? There's more room for another iron in there. And we put another iron in the fire. And we just keep getting ourselves a little bit more busy. And, we, and that's what's so weird about technology. We, the idea of, of all this technology is to make our lives easier. But it seems like the more space we freed up isn't so that we can relax. It's like, oh, I've got more room to put more irons in the fire. And so we just keep making ourselves busier and busier and busier. And what that does is it draws me away. Because when I'm so busy with life, I'm not, I don't have enough time with, for God. And it draws me and drifts me away from the source. Sometimes it's just the pull of the world. I just get my life so interested in the worldly stuff. I'm, I'm, I spend too much time. I spend too much focus. I spend too much energy on the worldly stuff and, and just the cultural stuff. It pulls me away. Sometimes it's just my intentional sin. My sin pulls me and causes me to drift. And so I can intentionally be doing things that's causing me to be thirsty and to drift. But then there are times where it's just out of my control. I'm not doing anything intentionally. How many of you ever just have gone through a storm? The trials, the pain and the suffering of life. It just hits you like a sledgehammer. You didn't. You got the report from the doctor. You weren't expecting it. But yet it just waylays you. It's the relationship. It's, it's the loss of the job. It's whatever it is. Out of your control. But it just waylays you spiritually. And guess what? You're not intentionally doing anything. But those trials, guess what it can do? Cause you to drift. Because the reality is whether it's intentional, unintentional, things come in our life that cause us to spiritually drift because we are no longer doing the things required of us. In order for you and I to stay saturated, okay, to stay um, spiritually saturated, spiritually um, where I feel like I'm not thirsty, I got to stay connected to the source. I got to return to the source. And the way you and I stay connected to the source, the source is Christ. The way I stay connected through him is things like prayer, Bible study, worship. Those are the things that keep you and I connected to the source. So when I am not praying, when I'm not meditating on the things of God, when I'm not reading his word, when my worship is hit and miss here and there, guess what you're going to experience? Spiritual disconnect. You're going to feel the spiritual dryness. Why? Because you're drifting. And so guess what you and I have got to do? Return to the Lord. Now look at what Hosea goes on to continue to say. He says, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. Now, you notice he says he has torn us, and he has struck us down. These are, for Israel, it was literal that he allowed them to be taken into captivity. 
by the Assyrian army, by the, the Babylonians, different times where God had to really show these people, I'm putting a crisis in your life so you will turn back to me. There are times in your life, my life, where God allows a crisis to come in to turn us. He allows that crisis, but notice what it says. He allows the crisis to come in so he can heal us and he will bind us up. That just shows us that God is all about. He wants us to turn so that way we can have that spiritual connection. We can have that spiritual, you know, like vitality and the vibrance and the life. He wants to heal that. He wants to bind us up. He wants to restore us. But go on and he says, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. The two days and the third day, simply just, it's kind of like the immediacy of this thing. When you and I return to the Lord, it's like God wants to do this quickly. He wants to restore. He wants to revive. You notice just like we, we return, he also talks about reviving, all right? Um, reviving means, first of all, you got to be vived, all right? Meaning you got to have a relationship with God in the first place. Okay, because if you're spiritually dead, you've got to be have that spiritual, your spirit's got to be made alive in Christ. So that's where the relationship with God comes into play through faith in Christ. But once you know Christ, you are now made alive in Christ. But once you start to drift and once you start to like wander away, the vitality of your spirit can be lost. That's where the spiritual desert comes into play, the spiritual wilderness all of a sudden, you're just feeling that spiritual thirst. So guess what you knew? You, you've, you've been vibed, but now you need to be revived. You need to, get, and that's what we've been, like last week and this week, that, that God would breathe back into the church. And maybe that's what you need, God breathing back into you, reviving you spiritually, restoring you spiritually, raising you up again spiritually. You see, you notice there is our responsibility and what God does. Our responsibility is to come and return. And then God's response is reviving, restoring, rebuilding. He's the one who wants to breathe that new life back into you. But guess what? You and I have got to do our part. And that's where we connect. We return. We get back to the Lord through things. I know it's like it sounds so simple and basic. But, but guess what? Spiritual disciplines are a reality, okay? If, if you know, we just started a new year, and like, every, like a lot of people, we start, you know, New Year's resolutions. Let's be honest. Anybody made the resolution to say, I'm going to start eating right, and I'm going to start working out? Anybody? Nobody. Wow. Me and Paula have, okay? We've, we've got our 30th anniversary coming up this summer, and we're going to the beach, so we got to have a beach bod somewhat, Okay? So, but the reality is you can make a resolution to work out and to eat, but let me ask you, does it just automatically happen or do you need to work out and eat right? Okay. You can't, you can't have physical, you know, vitality in your body. If you're not eating right, you're not exercising. You're always going to feel sluggish. You're going to feel like physically weak. You're like, man, I walk four steps and I got to sit down and take a break. It is no different from you and I spiritually. If you want to be spiritually vitalized and spiritually, um, like, like, not perfect, but what I'm saying is like, you just like, I'm not 
thirsty all the time spiritually. I'm, I'm, I, I just feel the presence of God in my life. Like That happens through disciplines like prayer and Bible study, worship, those things. I mean, those are the elementary truths that we should all know. But yet, how many of us don't practice them? And we sit and scratch our heads as to why does it feel like I'm always spiritually disconnected and spiritually thirsty? If you want to overcome and, and, and stop feeling that spiritual dryness and that disconnection, man, you got to accept the invitation to turn to the Lord. And then secondly, it's this. When I'm feeling dry and disconnected, I need to actively and consistently turn to the Lord. Not only do we just, because turning to the Lord is not just a one-time deal. It's not like, ah, oh, I, 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 I've gotten away, I'll return to the Lord. It's kind of like a boat on the, on the water. If you don't anchor a boat, you can row, let's say, let's say there's a buoy in the middle of a lake, and you can row that boat to the, to the buoy, and, and you stop rowing, and you're like, hey, I've rowed to the buoy, I don't need to do anymore. Let me ask you, will that boat remain by that buoy? No, the wind will blow you. The, the, if there's a current, it'll pull, it'll pull. Before you know it, you will be 150 yards away from the buoy. So guess what you got to do? Return to the buoy, all right? And, but here's the thing. If you want to remain by that buoy, you got to keep maybe using an oar. And, or you got to do something to keep you by that buoy. Otherwise, you're going to keep drifting. Spiritually, it's no different, gang. We can return to the Lord. You come to Christ for the first time, you're not done. You've got to continually, actively, and consistently be returning to the Lord. And that's where he says in verse 3, let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Notice, let us. We're all in this boat, gang. We, we, we're doing this together. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. What key word is he, um, is he pressing there? No. Let us know. Let us press on to know. Okay? Um, if you remember our study from the book of John, we've already seen this. Okay? This no in Hebrew is equivalent to the no in Greek. It's the same principle. As Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, my sheep know me and I know my sheep. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know... And, 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 he, no. Remember, no is not just facts. It's intimacy. It is a relationship. It is a closeness. Okay? This is what Hosea is saying. He's like, man, just don't know facts about God. Know him. You got to know him. And the way you know him is, as he says, press on to know him. That word press on, the. the Two, our two words is press on, but it actually comes from one Hebrew word. It means to pursue, to chase after. All right? Remember when, you know, when you're dating? Do you just like once go after them? Or you're like, I'm going to pursue this person. I'm going to chase after them because I want to know them. I want to press on to know them. That's what he's saying here. He's like, man, chase after God. Get after him. Keep pressing on. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I've already been made perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Paul's like, man, I know I'm not perfect. 
I keep messing up. Because even Paul probably had his times where he could feel himself wander. And he's like, I got to keep pressing on. I got to keep pressing on to know the Lord. I got to keep pressing on to make that stuff my own. So guess what? You got to press on. You got to keep you got to keep chasing after. It's a relationship. Again, our responsibility is this. Press on to know the Lord. And how you press on to know the Lord is not just osmosis at night. You press on to know the Lord through prayer. Meditating on the things of, of God. Through studying his word. You press on to know the Lord through worship. You press on through the Lord by attending a Sunday school class or a small group. By doing these things. Again, I know it sounds like, oh, Jim, you're asking us to do stuff. That's pressing on. If you're chasing after, if you're going after the Lord, you're going to have to do, you've got a responsibility. And these are the things that you and I do. But when we do our responsibility, look at God's response. So he says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out, meaning God's going out, is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Hosea is sitting there. He extends the invitation to return. And he's like, I'm telling you, if we return to the Lord, if we press on to know him, God will come. He will show up, whether it's in your life personally, in your family, or in the church. And his coming is like as sure as the dawn. Did you guys go to sleep last night wondering if it was the sun was coming up today? Or did you relax and fall asleep? He's coming like the rain. On those hot summer days, when if you've planted a garden and, and you can see your plants withering, you're, you're, you're looking at the yard and the grass is brown and the, the, the ground is dry, what's the one thing you are praying for? rain. We need water. We need some water. And, and maybe that's you today. You're dry. You're, you're depleted. You're, you're, you're just... <sighs> Return to the Lord. Press on to know him. And I'm telling you, as you and I turn to the Lord and we press on to know him and we want to know him more, his coming is sure as the dawn. And he's bringing the rain. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, tells us this. It says it this way, but it's, it, it's worded differently, but the parallel is there. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You see, that's the, the turning away. When, when, I, when I'm... When I'm um, Walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of the sinner, or sitting in the seat of scoffers, that's like me turning and drifting. That's the worldly stuff, and that's what I'm into, and that's where I'm going. But look at what he says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's the turning. Okay, that, I, I, The worldly stuff is me over here, but you know what? I'm going to meditate on the things of God. I'm going to meditate on his law, his word. That's the turning. That's my responsibility. That's me pursuing. That's me going after. And look at the result. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. 
That's the watering. You see, the only way you and I stay from drifting and stay from getting dry and weak is we got to keep pursuing. We keep returning. We keep staying. That buoy, man, we got to stay at the middle of the lake. If we don't, we're going to drift and we're going to end up by the edge of the lake again. And we got to keep returning to the Lord. And as you and I keep returning to the Lord and we keep the, we keep studying his word, we keep praying, we keep meditating on who he is and what he's done, we keep doing these things, we keep worshiping him, we keep actively pursuing him, guess what you are going to be? Watered. And as you are watered, you will be like a tree planted by streams of water. And your leaf will not wither. You will be moist, saturated, wet, You're not going to be thirsty. You're not going to be wandering. You're not going to be drifting. It has been my prayer this week. Last week's message, this week's message has been kind of in the same vein. And it's been, was my prayer. And I'm just going to ask if the worship team would come forward. That we, as a church, would experience that downpour. Okay? Okay. Like I said, over the past couple of years, because of COVID and just everything we've gone through, it's just been, it's dryness. And, and, we, and I believe we've been feeling it. And, and I'm wanting us as a church to press on to know the Lord. I want us as a church feeling the downpour. I want us as a church, I want you as a person, because the church collectively is only as good as its individual parts, Okay. It's just like a chain. A chain is as strong as its weakest link. And so guess what? We corporately as a church are only as saturated as we as an individual are saturated. And so we need to pray. We need to seek and ask God, Lord, come. Bring the downpour. And so here's what I want us to do again today. We did this last week. I'm just going to ask Paula just to play something, but we've got an open mic here. And we're going to take just a few more minutes once again and pray. And if you want to come forward, I'm going to ask that you just come forward. If you want to pray a long prayer, a short prayer, it doesn't matter. But this is our time where we're like, God, bring a downpour. God, we're seeking you. God, we need you. God, we're returning to you. God, come as sure as the dawn came up today. Come. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. Change us. Change me, God. Change my family, God. Change our church. Saturate us. So I'm going to open this mic up. If you would like to come up and pray, please do so. And when I start to feel like that prayer is just slowing down, I'm going to close. And then we're going to close with the same song we sang last, last week, Holy Spirit, come. Because I just believe that's where we are as a church. As you can just even look around, we have way too many people still not just showing up. There's still too many people that are just spiritually lethargic right now. Way too many people spiritually disconnected. Way too many people who are just spiritually going through the motions. It doesn't mean we're not going to have people missing off and on, but I'm telling you, we have way too many people missing too many times. Worship should be that time where we're in here going, God, We worship you. 
Because when that happens, when the saturation is real in the here, the perception changes, the reception changes, and the devotion changes. And that's what we want to see happen. And so at this time, if you want to come up in prayer, I'm going to ask just one of our elders, would you just come up and, and start this off? And then um, when they're done, if anybody else wants to come up and pray, do. And then I will close in a word of prayer. So just bow your heads and let's just go before the Lord in a time of prayer.